Darkness takes many degrees. Instead of being afraid of it, I found that we can use darkness to help us see better, become stronger, and find out more about ourselves. Come and join me in today's episode and discover your light within the darkness. Welcome to Quest for You. I'm so grateful you're here. I created this podcast now almost three years ago to help you connect more with yourself, just as I have done several years ago. I found that life, according to what everyone else says I should do, is a limited life and it didn't make me happy. Only when I began to turn towards myself, the quest for me is when I discovered a more authentic life and my wish is to help you find the same simply by listening to me on this podcast. So I want to thank you that you decided today to spend your valuable time with me. I used to listen to my podcasts on my way to and from work. Now I don't commute anymore, but I walk a lot. And that's when I catch up on podcasts. Our routines have become disrupted. So I know if you're listening now, it's special. And I thank you. Our regular life requires just a little bit more effort these days, even though it seems that we're doing less. It's not exactly what we do that we're struggling with. It's the fact that it's different and that we're not used to it. I know I have normalized a little bit, but there are still moments that I struggle. Just going to the grocery store, which I did earlier today, sometimes I just want to cry. When I see the lines, the distances between people, all those signs and warnings everywhere on the windows and the entrance, the entire awkwardness of this, what used to be such a normal process. I also had this goal to become more friendly or impatient with strangers, with delays, with the nuisances of life that sometimes threw a wrench into my plans. And that now has become even harder with everyone just being worried about their own safety. People are just not as friendly anymore in general. Every time I go to the store, something is different. The line forms in another direction. The store hours change. One time I was scolded for having my own bags with me. They almost wanted to take them away. And then this past week I was charged again for paper bags. What used to be normal, routine, predictable is now constantly changing, and we never quite know what to expect. And as a result of the new normal being more difficult, I have struggled with the tasks that were already harder anyways. My podcast episodes, for example, have been sporadic. I love writing, and I always had ideas for content. But lately, my mind feels blank, and I tell myself that people want to hear other things, but not my ideas. And so I have escaped, luckily not into anything worrisome like alcohol or drugs, but I've escaped into nature on the weekends. There, I don't have to worry about any of this. My life, the new normal, the uncertainty, the grocery store lines, the masks. I can be amongst the trees, the lakes, the streams, the birds and the mountains, and I can just be. It's magical. It's perfect. It's really all I need. And yet, 
when I'm back in town, and you may have just heard it, in my apartment, I struggle again. The noises of the city, the multitude of tasks that wait to be tackled, the people, my friends that I want to see and talk to. I struggle focusing on it all and prioritizing it and handling it. And I shared all of that with you in my last episode. And since then, I have started to work more on my focus. I have allowed myself to let go of everything I wanted to do. Just earlier today, I returned a huge pile of books back to the library. I had checked it out before this whole thing started, and I know I will not read these books now, three months, four months into it. I am focusing back on this podcast. And along with that, on my writing, on reflecting, on learning, and on being a better person. This is my main focus in life, and my podcast is the medium by which I help you do the same. And I want to read you a quote that I recently also shared with my morning meetup group, and that led to an interesting discussion. It's by James Baldwin. One discovers the light in the darkness. That is what darkness is for. But everything in our lives depends on how we bear the light. It is necessary, while in darkness, to know that there is a light somewhere. To know that in oneself, waiting to be found, there is a light. What the light reveals is danger, and what it demands is faith. Darkness, first of all, sounds scary. But someone in the group shared that darkness can be befriended. And this comment reminded me of my many nights out in nature, sometimes hiking down or back from a mountain. And my climbing partner once reminded me, as I was frantically searching for my headlamp and my pack, that our eyes adjust to the darkness and that a light isn't necessarily needed. And when I gave it a try, I realized how much one can actually see in darkness. Our eyes adjust, but I think they also work harder trying to see. They focus on whatever they can to help us navigate. The lighter colored rocks start to shine in the darkness. They almost look a little bit like snow, and they help us see. The bushes and trees that somehow set themselves apart in the darkness so we don't run into them. You can easily test this out in your house when it's dark. Even though you may know where all the objects are, you can give it a try. Turn off the lights, wait a little bit, and see how much you can actually see. We can see in darkness, but it is a little harder. And just as in actual darkness, we can also see in times when everything seems dark. Darkness is not the end. Darkness simply is change. From daylight to darkness. From good times to maybe bad times. And to find the light in darkness we focus on one small thing that we can see, and then maybe another and another, one little bit at a time. It is necessary, while in darkness, to know that there is a light somewhere, to know that in oneself, waiting to be found, there is a light. One week ago, I climbed Mount Shasta, a mountain here in Northern California with an elevation of over 14,000 feet. It was a dream come true, although unexpectedly, because a friend invited me 
unexpectedly, just a week before, and because I hadn't planned on this trip, because I didn't think I had what it takes to do it. Mountains that high require quite a few things. Most importantly, they require mountaineering skills, which I don't have. I rock climb, but most of that happens at manageable elevation and in good weather conditions. Hiking up and down a mountain in snow or ice, with winds blowing at 30 or more miles per hour, is quite a different story. It also requires good physical skills, which I did feel more comfortable with, and it requires a strong mind, which I will talk about shortly. The plan we made involved stretching the trip over three days and two nights, with a training and acclimatization day in between. Most people do it just in two days hiking up to base the first day and then summiting the next day. But we allowed ourselves an extra day. I had also been ice climbing for the first time just in January, which gave me good intro to moving around on crampons and handling an ice axe. So this goal now seemed a little bit more accomplishable, and I went along. I was also just in Yosemite the weekend prior at an elevation of over 9,000 feet, so the timing seemed good. Elevation is an important consideration when summiting a mountain, as most of us live 24-7 at very low elevation, and our bodies are not used to the lower levels of oxygen. I have to say my body performed better than I expected. On Friday, we hiked up to 10,400 feet with our heavy packs, prepared to spend two nights there. Only four miles, but they took us over five hours, with many rests in between to catch our breath. The day was sunny and hot. In fact, I hiked in shorts all the way. And while it was hard, especially the last section right before the base and our camping spot, because it was very steep and it was the first section that was covered in snow, when it was especially hard, I would count my steps. Ten steps, a short rest. Another ten steps, another short rest. Often leaning forward to lighten the load of the pack. It was a long slog, but there was never a doubt in my mind that I couldn't make it. On Sunday, on the other hand, when we summited to the peak, things were much harder. The weather had changed overnight with below freezing temps and a strong wind. I wore several layers of clothes and two pairs of gloves, yet the wind seemed to penetrate my entire body. Yet on we went, step by step, along with many other people who had the same goal. Things became dark for me, when what I thought was the summit of Mount Shasta wasn't the summit. For over a day, I looked at what I thought was the top of the mountain, and on Sunday I walked towards it with speed, confidence, and optimism. Only to reach it, tired and frozen, to see another hill appear in the back. Fine, I thought, we will make it. But the slog became harder with every step. Halfway up that hill, which I heard was referred to as Misery Hill, and of course now I know why, and which I believed again to be finally the summit, I slowly began to wonder why I didn't see anyone at the top or coming towards us to return. And when we reached the top, the plateau evened and I thought, okay, it can't be that far. And that's when I saw a huge open field of snow in front of me, with some huge mountain 
appearing way far in the back. And my confidence, my strength, and my hopes all faded away. Mount Shasta suddenly not only seemed far away, but also a goal that I probably wouldn't reach. The day prior, when we were at base camp and practiced self-rest, we spoke to many of the fellow campers who came down mid-morning after their summit. Saturday was much warmer and less windy, and it would have been a much better day, weather-wise, to summit. But we had already agreed on a plan. We needed to train Saturday, and we wanted to acclimize. Those were our two goals, and we knew that Saturday night the weather would turn worse. But we stuck to our plan. And there was one of the groups that came down that we spoke to on Saturday, and they told us they reached 13,000 feet and couldn't go any further. The elevation was getting to them, and they turned around. And that moment I thought of them as I trudged across that white field of snow with the wind now blowing harder than ever, the smell of sulfur in my nose, and my heart hurting from the effort it was exerting trying to get oxygen into my bloodstream. And I said it a few times aloud. I don't think I can make it. Luckily, my partner couldn't hear me. The wind was way too loud, and he had his own struggles. Tears came to my eyes, but I kept walking. Slow as a snail, one foot in front of the other. Dehydrated, but it was too cold to get the water bottle out. No energy left, but no appetite to eat either. And I kept walking. Darkness. Self-inflicted darkness. I thought of our car, which seemed a million miles away. Of my bed, which I didn't think I would ever see again. And I wondered why in the world I am undertaking such a harebrained adventure when life at sea level is much more comfortable. But all those thoughts went away when we ascended the true top of Mount Shasta. I first still didn't believe that this was it. There are mountain ranges everywhere, and I looked around and I thought that this probably is still further. I'm better not get my hopes up. But then the first people came towards us, and passed us, and my partner said that this is it. He had been up there before. And suddenly we were on top, along with 20 or 30 other people. The sun was shining. There was not nearly as much wind. It was actually a little bit warm. I was shaking, both from exhaustion and then from the emotion and the tears that came up from somewhere inside. Darkness was gone. I had found light. Not just by reaching the top, where people talked about this and that, the weather and what they're going to do tomorrow as if we were somewhere in a cafe down at sea level. But I had found a light also within me because I kept going. It is necessary, while in darkness, to know that there is a light somewhere, to know that in oneself, waiting to be found, there is a light. We have to persevere. No matter how strong and cold the winds blow on the outside, no matter how strong the challenges of life pull on us from the inside, when we keep going, no matter how slow, and believe me, I have never walked so slowly in my life. We will find light. We will reach our summit. We will find answers, solutions, resolution, a new path forward. I choose darkness often in my life. 
not consciously. I go into my climbing adventures with confidence, motivation, and excitement. But often I end up in darkness. This weekend we climbed a route I had been wanting to climb for a long time. It's a route I thought, and had read about, as one of the easiest on that entire wall. And I had already climbed most of the other routes on that wall, and they were fine. I even considered leading that route. And yet, I came to a section that I just couldn't figure out. I lost probably ten minutes, unable to get going. I was about to cry. I was in darkness. And then there was someone there, giving me some advice, showing me a different option. And I tried that other option, and he even held my left foot down so it wouldn't slip. And I made it. Darkness. Light. At the moment, I'm trying to mend a relationship with someone who means a lot to me. Every time I see a ray of light, it gets overshadowed by darkness again. Another disagreement, another setback, a new issue we hadn't discussed before. I realize that many problems in life are not as straightforward as the path to the summit of a mountain. There are many detours, many long stops, many circles we find ourselves caught in. But I believe that all darkness has one thing in common, and that is light. There is light within the darkness. Sometimes we have to strain our eyes a little to see the light. Sometimes we just keep walking without thinking so much. And quite often we have to let go of what we think the outcome should look like and become present with the now, with whatever is just right in front of us. What the light reveals is danger, and what it demands is faith. We discussed this last sentence of this quote quite a bit that morning with my group, and there were many interpretations and some confusion. Light is supposed to be something positive. Why is there danger? James Baldwin wrote this during a time that was marked by segregation. So this could have many meanings, but I see it this way for myself. When we see light, there might still be a long and dangerous way ahead of us. Just because we find the light, because we know what we need to do, because we see the path forward, the work still needs to be done. Risk, uncertainty, possible failure, all may still lie ahead of us. But we have to have faith and keep walking forward. And this is what I wish all of you today. Have faith in your light. Have faith that it's there no matter how dark things may seem. And have faith that you can get through the darkness to the light, no matter how long and how difficult that journey may be. I wish you light. I wish you love. Until next time. <laughs>